If you have a Bible, let me go ahead and send you to Second uh, Corinthians chapter twelve. Um, last week we started a series on uh, contentment. That is kind of a uh, a sermon version of the small group that we did last summer. If you were in that, um, and I'm not even going to try to recap last week. Uh, it would take too long, um, and I would say go listen to the podcast, but it's not up yet, and actually from Easter until now, none of those are up yet, and that's my fault, and I'll remedy that uh, ASAP. So uh, if, you weren't really, if you weren't here last week and you want to know what it was about, then uh, in a couple of days, check the podcast out. You can hear it. Um, but basically, we started looking at, at contentment, discontentment, um, and sort of defined it you know, in this way. It's... Not the best definition ever, but it'll do. Um, when, um, when the things about your life that have not turned out to be the way you thought they would be uh, begin to affect you in an unhealthy way, that's, that's the kind of discontentment that we're talking about. Um, so you get to be your age, at your stage of life, and there are probably things that are uh, pretty much you thought your life would look this way at this point, and there are probably some things that are better, and then there are some things that are you absolutely never would have thought, you know. And it's kind of in that, that category of things where we're like, okay, when those things, um, when the ways that your life has not turned out the way you expected, when that begins to affect you in an unhealthy way, that's, that's the discontentment that we're going to kind of pick on uh, a little bit. Um, and, you know, some of the examples, I tend to just use the same examples over and over, over again, and maybe that's good, maybe that's bad. Um, we kind of talked about relationships. Um, if you're in, if, if you're, uh, you know, in a relationship or not, like if you're dating or engaged or married or not, and um, then, it, you know, if you are in, the, in one of those relationships, uh, how healthy is it or how healthy is it in it? Um, do you have kids or not? There's all these things just in all the different kind of relationships that we have. We talked about um, our, our jobs and our careers and just kind of getting to the point where, you're, you know, you're like, is this really w- what I'm going to do forever? You know, um, talked about financially, you know, maybe you, maybe you thought you would be more stable financially than you are and those kinds of things. Um, just, just different kinds of just different areas of life and how sometimes those things are fine, but sometimes um, they affect us in un- unhealthy ways. Sometimes we get really, really uh, angry that our life doesn't look the way we thought it would. Sometimes it's, it's bitterness. Sometimes it's, um, it's, uh, you become very envious of, of other people. Um, it sometimes kind of begins to depress you. You know, it begins to make you question your identity, you know, and who you are. And, um, you, a lot of times we kind of bring in a lot of karma into, you know, what did I do? You know, God, what am I doing wrong that you know, has me in this, you know, whatever. Um, so it's those, and those negative and unhealthy ways uh, that we want to talk about. Now, I said this last week, I'm not talking about, I'm not saying that it's not okay to like, feel a certain way. It's perfectly fine to say, 
I wish my life looked like this. I thought my life would look by this at this point. Um, you can feel that way, and that's not that's fine. Um, it's when it when it has that unhealthy effect. That's when it starts to be bad. You know, when um, when someone goes through a, a when you know let's say a couple's dating and they break up. When it's just a breakup, it's fine. Cry, be sad, change that Facebook status immediately. You know, whatever. Uh, but when you know after six weeks and you still like you just can't like function because you're so heartbroken and dramatic and whatever that would be unhealthy uh so it's it's how the some of these things affect us so last week we looked at the israelites and how they were basically uh this group of people who experienced amazing miracle of god after miracle and in between those they just kept forgetting who he was god would do something huge but god is so awesome and they're like uh, who's God? Because they're so focused on their circumstances, you know. They'd say, we're hungry, and God would miraculously feed them. They'd be like, God's awesome. They'd be like, we're thirsty. And God would miraculously give them water. And they'd be like, God's awesome. And they'd be like, we're this. Why'd you bring us out here? And they, just, they were just so just back and forth and back and forth, and they were just in this cycle of, of forgetting who God is because they were so focused on their circumstances. Um, now, t- tonight, I-, I just want to talk for a few minutes uh, the, the second session of the small group last summer was, I kind of entitled it, uh, Things We Don't Want to Talk About. So tonight's going to be super positive. <laughs> uh, these are things about our contentment or discontentment that we would just rather not talk about, that we would just rather not admit might be um, one of those issues that lies beneath the surface for us. Um, so uh, this summer I did, I did eight, um, tonight I'm just going to do five for the sake of time. Um, I think five things that we don't want to talk about that maybe are a contributing factor to your discontentment. Or, like I said last week, this, might, this whole series might really be equipping you to help walk with someone else through this or minister to someone else, or maybe it's a little bit of both. So these are some things that maybe might be an issue. Maybe, just maybe. So I'm just gonna, not gonna, you know, I'm just gonna lob these out there for your consideration, all right? And the first one, we're gonna start with the easiest one first. First one is suffering. <laughs> just kidding. Um, it is suffering, but it's not easy. Um, when you start with suffering, where do you go from there, right? That's usually the ending point. We're gonna start with it because I think that suffering is. Um, I think we're in denial a lot of times about the role that suffering plays in the life of a Christian. And we, we kind of act like it, you know, and we'll sing songs about it and how, like, I'll suffer through whatever for the Lord, you know, and stuff. But we, a lot of times, don't like to think about how, like, maybe the area of life where discontentment is affecting you unhealthily, maybe that's from the Lord. Maybe it is of God for you to be in that job. Maybe it is of God for you to not be married. Maybe. I'm just saying. Maybe. Maybe it is the sovereign God's plan for your life to have you walk through this season and have your life not look at all like you thought it would by this point. Maybe. And 2 Corinthians is a 
fairly familiar passage probably to a lot of us. And Paul's talking about, you know, he doesn't tell us what it is, but he asks God to remove something from his life. Um, he, he called it a thorn in his flesh. We don't really know what that means. Um, some people think it's emotional. Some think it's spiritual. Some think it's like a physical issue. Like um, one of the, the ESV study Bible talked about uh, like severe headaches or like poor eyesight. You know, like it could be something like, like a physical calamity, you know. Uh, we don't really know what it is, and it really doesn't matter. Um, I think it's cool that it doesn't tell us what it is because it's so relatable. Because um, we've all had something that we've asked God to take away from us, right? We've asked God to change, please change this about life. And so uh, here he is in chapter 12, verse 8. It's three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may, may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Hmm. Content with weaknesses and a bunch of bad stuff. So he goes from, please take this away, to basically being thankful for this being in his life. All because Jesus said, no. And that's ultimately what it says. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. That's, that's a strong way of saying no. I've kind of said this before. Um, my take on this passage is Paul saying, I want you to take this away. And Jesus is saying, what you think you need is for that to be gone. But what you, ha- what you really need, you already have, which is my grace, which is completely sufficient for this. So you're not lacking anything. You have everything that you need. I must have say, okay, this, this is right where, right where I want you. We went through, through a time with, uh, with the ring where... Um, we kind of like, like hit the ground running. You know, there are some church starts that'll start like, uh, it'd be like, like Robert Terrell, like his family, basically, like, like the church. And there's four of them. And then they'll maybe meet some people and start to connect. And then maybe a year later, there's maybe like eight people. And it just kind of expands from there. We were a different kind of church start. We started and we have like 200 people from the jump. And not too long down the road, we started looking around. Like, where, where is everybody? Where, where are these people who were, you know, who were here when we started? And we kind of assumed everybody was here. And some people had gone to, to other churches. Some people had moved away. And I just remember there was a Sunday night when we just kind of had to, like, have a little fireside chat. Say, okay, let's just admit the fact that when you look around, it looks different in here. There's some faces that you used to see a lot that you don't see anymore. And we miss them, and that's fine. However, if we really believe God is sovereign, then he has our church right where he wants us. And we believe that he is sovereign. So we believe he has us right where he wants us. There are things in life that we think should change, and whatever. And maybe... 
God has this in your life for a very specific reason. Maybe it's time for you and I to embrace that suffering. Instead of being mad about it, bitter about it, pushing it away and pretending like it doesn't exist, compromising and selling out and just acting out all our insecurities, maybe we just say, okay, I will now embrace the fact that this is where God has me. And even to say, okay, I'm not where Paul is, I'm not to the point where I'm thankful for that and I'm content in that, but I want to I get there because I know, I know that there is a purpose in what's going on. We're just, we're just going to flash up uh, Romans 5, 3 through 5. You may, maybe you've read this before. Uh, it says, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and char- character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. See, suffering, endurance, character, hope. The suffering that we go through is not without a purpose to it. There is no pointless anything when it comes to life in Christ. Nothing, nothing is wasted at all. We just did a whole series of community groups, community group discussions about this. Not a single thing is wasted. God takes every bad experience, good homes, bad homes, terrible relationships, great relationships, or whatever it is, all of those things he uses to prepare us for what is ahead. So maybe this season of your life has this really great refining, endurance building, character building, hope building purpose. Maybe God's making you into somebody that you wouldn't have been if that thorn had been removed. Maybe Paul was Paul because God left that thorn in his flesh. I mean, how awesome to be able to be way down the road in life, to be able to sit down with someone and say, at one point I was so miserable because of this job or this relationship or the lack of this or whatever. But then I got to a point where I just began to embrace it. I began to thank God for it. Even if I didn't mean it, I began to thank God for it because I knew there was purpose in it and I was going to suffer well. Wouldn't it be awesome to be an old, old, old man or woman to say, I would not trade that suffering for anything because God used that to shape me into the person that you're talking to right now. Awesome. Like, I want to be that old man. I want to be that youngish-ish man. Now, all of these points aren't going to apply to every area, okay? So if you're discontent in your marriage, suffering probably maybe doesn't apply to you because maybe God doesn't want you to suffer in your marriage, Okay? Some discontentment is supposed to motivate us to change, and then some discontentment is really supposed to motivate us to just embrace it. 
some people would, would say it like this. They would say, okay, God, I, I want you to either change the situation or change, change the way I view it. And for some of us that are going through struggles with, with contentment, it's about changing the way we see it. And be able to say, this is difficult, and if I had my wish, I would do things differently. However, my God is not random. And this is a part of him making me into who I'm going to be. So I'm going to embrace it. Every, every um, difficult, painful, confusing, whatever about it, I'm just going to love it. Because it's a part of this good plan for your life. There is no bad plan. God's not mad at you. He's not angry. He's not trying to teach you a lesson. He is absolutely for you on your side, wanting to shape you into his image. So maybe for some of us tonight, it's about opening up our arms and just giving a big old bear hug to whatever, whatever that big issue is. Maybe. All right. Let's look at the next one. Um, tell you what, you just, just we're, we're done with your Bible for tonight, or your phone Bible, okay? So you can just kind of hang it up, but we're gonna, still going to use the Bible. We're just going to use the screens, which normally I don't like to do, but we're going to do it anyway. Um, here's, a, here's the second one. The second issue is, is one of submission. They won't all start with S, I promise. Submission. Maybe discontentment is coming from this place of you think your plan is better than his plan. You know, maybe it's maybe it's a little more um, Adam and Eve standing by the tree with the apple on it than you like to admit. Because that's pretty much what they did. Is they're like, um, you know, the serpent, whatever, was telling them like, no, no, you're pretty awesome, and I mean, you're you're pretty smart. You know, that's just gonna make you smarter. And you're like, yeah. And they're like, yeah, good plan. Our plan is better than his plan. Let's eat of the fruit. Maybe the, maybe the issue for you is submission um, to this bigger plan. Maybe you hear suffering and you're like, yeah, okay, like that sounds really fine and good and whatever. Um, but I'm still pretty sure that it would be better off if I was married. You know, I'm still pretty sure it would be better off if I was in a different job that paid me a lot more money. You know? Still pretty sure that, you know, yeah, but that's kind of what's in there. In Matthew 26, we, you know, we see Jesus is in Gethsemane, and I, there's this amazing prayer. It said to them, my, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but you will. Jesus is basically saying, All right, uh, if I have my druthers, um, this would go down differently but my druthers don't matter. My plan does not, does not matter. My plan for my life is um, completely just scrapped. Because as soon as I became yours, everything became yours. 
So maybe the issue, the, the issue is submission because God is breaking you and you don't like it. I mean, nobody likes submission. We don't like to submit to God. We don't like to submit to the cop who pulls us over and tells us we are speeding. We, just, we don't like to submit. If someone comes up behind you and they put you in a submission hold, um, uh, it depends on who it is. If it's Rodney, you just give up. If it's Hank, you just, like, break through. Because... <laughs> You just sweep the leg. It's, uh, I'll, I'll show you. I'll demonstrate after. Uh, or you can go on YouTube and watch it. But um, We don't like submission. So maybe, maybe God is, is looking into your life, maybe, and sees that pride swelling up, and you think that you're awesome and that, you have, that your plan is better. And maybe God, in all his sovereignty, is like, you know what I need to do? I need to, I need to break her. I need to break him. Maybe that makes you really mad. But Jesus submitted right there. We, we just read it. Jesus submitted because he left heaven. And came and had to live here in a body. He had to get sick. He had to get betrayed by his friends. He had to work to make money. He had to leave his family to go and, and do ministry. And all these things, I'm sure, were good, but he was fully human. And so he... He submitted to the will of the Father and came here and in the garden prayed and said, I submit to you. This is my plan. My plan is of less importance than your plan. So whatever your plan is, let's do that. And he died. He was crucified. He had the wrath of God poured onto him. He was separated from the Father. He bore sin for the first time. I mean, he went through all this because it was the plan of the Father. Now, he was Jesus. He created the universe. He holds everything together. Uh, I mean, he's Jesus, and he submitted. So who in the world are we to look at God and say, I know better than you what my life needs to look like? I mean, God says, okay, if you want to be that prideful, that's fine. I'm going to break your little legs. Maybe it's pride. Maybe submission is your issue. The next one. These are kind of two, and I just kind of merge them into one because to me they're kind of the same. One is expectations. The other word would be uh, entitlement. This is something we really don't like to talk about very much. Um, expectations. Maybe, maybe your life, maybe your expectations have not been met for your life. Maybe you say, I'm this old, um, not much you can do about that. And you say, this is my job, and I expected to be at this level of whatever by this point, and I'm not. 
I expected to be making this kind of money, but I'm not. I expected to be um, to have taken on this kind of debt, but I have actually taken on more than that. I expected to be married, or I expected my marriage to be, you know, whatever, and all this kind of stuff. And maybe like all these these expectations that we have, maybe your discontentment is rooted in the fact that you basically had all these high hopes for your life, and they just haven't been met. And you're super disappointed and mad by that. If I, if I have um, performed your wedding ceremony and we've gone through marriage counseling, one of the, basically the first session we always talk about expectations. And how each couple like, brings these expectations into the, into the marriage about what it's going to be like to be married. This is after the engagement, you know, whatever, and after the wedding, and after every, you know, when you stop being like the center of attention, you know, when all that kind of stuff fades and the honeymoon's done and you're just, you're just living, married, together. Each, of, each couple, each person in the, in the couple has grown up and has all these things, all these marriages that they've seen and the homes they've grown up in. And so they have all these expectations and some they know and some they don't know. And there are going to be these fights that are going to happen when um, your expectations of your spouse are not met. And so what I tell them is like, okay, if you can remember that and be aware of that and even try to really communicate to the other, it's a new concept, communicate to the other person things that you expect so that they can say, oh, okay, I expect that too. Or they can say, I'm sorry, but that's never, ever going to happen. And you can discuss it rather than have this big explosion fight that happens and what it, what when it all boils down to is the guy is expecting his wife to act like his mother. That's weird. That's when it gets weird. And I have a good friend who got in this big blow-up fight with his wife about something completely stupid. Um, and uh, they, after this big giant fight, retraced their steps, went back to counseling, and he realized that it was all about um, shoes being kicked off in the living room. And because in his, his home growing up, you couldn't, like, you put your shoes in the closet. And his wife was not putting her shoes in the closet, and he expected her to do that. And it made him angry to the point where he got angry, and they got in this big fight. And she was basically like, look, I'm not your mama. Stop expecting me to be your mama. And he had to humble himself and realize that he had an expectation on her that was not being met. And that resulted in him being angry. Sometimes with God, we do the same stuff. We have these expectations about our life that we have no right to make, but we just make them. And sometimes we do that because we are us. And sometimes expectations are put on us by our parents, by our culture, by our friends or whatever. And when those things are not met, it tends to affect us in unhealthy ways. Or maybe, maybe it's more of an entitlement issue. Maybe without realizing it, you kind of think God owes you something. Because you're his kid, right? He takes care of you, right? That's what good parents do. They give their kids everything they want, right? No. False. 
But maybe this sense of entitlement, maybe this, this kind of messed up theology, you know, this uh, Jesus died for you and you alone, instead of like the order being Jesus died for the glory of God, and then for how the glory of God is manifested in our lives as we cross over from death into life. So yes, he died for you, but when, you were, when he was on the cross, you were not necessarily the first thing on his mind. Your cute little face was not what he was envisioning, probably. And so maybe there's a little more of this prosperity gospel, karma, whatever, than we, than we think. When we're like, I go to church, I go to community group, I, have, like, I spend time with, with the Lord, I, I pray, I do all these things. How come, how come he has not blessed me the way he's blessed these other people? who uh, don't go to church as much, and, you know, uh, uh, uh. And so there's this entitlement that kind of builds up, and you don't know it. Whether it's expectations or it's entitlement, look at, at this verse. That actually has nothing to do with either one of these subjects. Um, this is in, in 1 Corinthians 6. Um, but this would be a good uh, passage to read through at some point, 1 Corinthians uh, 6. Um, so, or, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Look at that. You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. See, we've given up all of our rights. All of our rights have been given up. We were bought at a price. Our lives are not our own anymore. So whatever expectations I have of, of my life, it's, it's kind of like playing Monopoly. It's not real money. It's not real real estate. It's not real anything. Because all my rights are, are gone. What, what, what am I entitled to? Well, I mean, what do I deserve? Death. Now the grace and mercy of God has changed a lot of things. So now I am a child of God. And so there are certain things that um, are, as an heir, I, I receive graciously. But at no point can I shake my fist at God and say, you have not made my life the way that it needs to be. You are not being a good daddy. You're not being a good whatever. Because he looks at me and says, uh, your life is not your own. Your life is mine. I bought you with a price. I know better than you. So submit or suffer through it or just suck it up. Your life is not your own. So maybe there are expectation issues or entitlement issues that are there. The next one. Comparison. We don't like to talk about this. However, I think that envy and materialism and insecurity are at the root of a lot of discontentment because we compare ourselves to other people. See, all right, 34 and single, different than 24 and single, when I compare myself to other people my age. 
when I run into people I went to high school with and I haven't seen them in a long time. When I compare, maybe there's envy, maybe there's insecurity that comes up in me. People who are discontent with the house that they live in, a lot of times it's because their friends have a quote-unquote nicer house than them, a bigger house than them, more toys than them. So that comparison brings about insecurity. Or that materialism begins to come up, and you're like, I need a bigger house. I need a better car. I need more of this and more of this or whatever. And so that discontentment begins to grow. But we don't like to talk about that. See, Moses fought that, and you can just, I mean, we won't put the scriptures up. In Exodus 4, Moses is like, well, you know, God's like, I want you to go and be the one to lead the people out. And he's like, well, but I don't really talk as good as other people. So, remember your life is not your own? Remember my plan is better than your plan? So stop comparing your life to everybody. Because some, it, it's paralyzing. And I think we've all done it. I think we've all walked into someone's home and all of a sudden you kind of start feeling like your home is like not as good. Where you live is not as good, not as nice. And you're like, well, maybe I can paint this and whatever. Same thing in our spiritual lives. We compare ourselves and we, see, we hear somebody pray in community group, and you're like, whoa, that dude can pray. Maybe he can just fake pray. Now you're comparing to someone who's fake. I mean, what's the point in that? Comparison is completely dumb. It's completely stupid. But there, that is a pattern of this world that we fall into so easily. So maybe your discontentment comes down to the fact that you are just constantly side, like seeing where you fit, seeing where you fit, how much you make compared to other people, how, how you live, how you just all this kind of stuff. Comparing ourselves to other people, it will... It'll, it'll wear you down. It'll wear you down. We don't like to talk about that. The last one, the last one is just is simply this. It's fear. Sometimes our discontentment comes because we are just completely unafraid to pull the trigger and be obedient about something because we're terrified. We're afraid of, of having that conversation. We're afraid of having to confess something. We're completely terrified of uh, what people are going to think about us. I mean, paralyzed by the approval of other people. I know I keep bringing up singleness because that's where I am or whatever. And I, I, I just, I talk to a lot of people and, and I, who struggle with the same thing. And I wonder, I wonder how much discontentment would be an issue if there was no fear of man involved at all. If we weren't totally afraid of people thinking that we were weird or something wrong with us or whatever. If what other people thought mattered very, 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 very little. If our only desire was just, what, what, what does God think? How pleased is God with my obedience? How honoring to Him is my life? 
I think a lot of discontentment issues would go away if that just one thing, we just work on that one thing. We get to the point where like, I, don't, I don't care if you think whatever about me because of my relationship status or how much I make or where I live or what I, what I, who cares? I don't care what you think. I just care what God thinks. This is the job God gave me. This is the season of life that I'm in. This is how much money I make. And it's not my money, it's his money. This is how much he's entrusted to me. I just got to be faithful with that. But I understand, you take singleness. There's a fear of being alone. There's a, there's a fear, uh, financially, of just living in debt your whole life. There's a, there's a fear that comes with, even with sitting down with someone and saying, okay, I need you to help me make a budget. So people are just afraid of that, afraid to admit yeah, my finances are out of control. Afraid to admit, I'm struggling with this again. Afraid, 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 afraid. I mean, I really think that this is probably the big one. Maybe I should have started with this, but I just felt like we needed to end with it. Maybe fear is, like, maybe that's the biggest thing flying over discontentment for us. It's because we're just chickens. Well, if you're scared, just say you're scared. That's where you start. And if, it, if it's comparison, say, I'm discontent because I just compare myself to everybody. If it's entitlement, if it's that your expectations haven't been met, if it's refusing to submit, if it's the fact that you just need to just bear hug the suffering, I don't, I don't know. But I, I know this. God has a beautiful plan for your life, for my life, for our lives together. And it is about so much more than the things we tend to uh, press together to form our identity. There's a king and there's a kingdom. Our whole lives should be sunk into that. So if you're sitting around because you're chicken or you're stubborn or you're prideful or because you're whining because your expectations haven't been met, that's not living in the kingdom. And that's where we need to be. And so whatever stands between you and that, it's time to get rid of it. And I think there's a choice involved. So, I know we don't like to talk about that stuff, but boom, we just did. What it means to you, I don't know. What it means to me, I'm steadily finding out. So uh, let's pray. Father, uh, it's, it's, so, uh, it's so easy for us to declare, you know, this firm belief that you have this plan for us and that you're in control of everything and that you're just sovereign over all. At the same time, it's so easy for us to, to make ourselves the exception to that. We'd be super quick to look somebody in the eye and to tell them the truth that we know, but for some reason, when it comes to applying it to our own lives, I don't know why we make ourselves that exception, but it's, just, it's a pattern for us. I see it in my life. I see it in lives all around me.
but I know that there are people in this room that are just tired of tired of these different areas of life affecting them in unhealthy ways. So Father, help us tonight to just to man up and just to choose you, to choose what is greater. Because your plan is greater than our plan. And if your plan is for us to suffer so you can refine our character, then we need to embrace that. Our lives are not ours. So we, we let go, we submit, we push into fear. I mean, whatever it is, you did not give us a spirit of fear. You gave us a spirit of power and of love, of self-control. And so really, this all comes down to what are we going to choose to do? We're going to choose to mope and complain and whine and feel sorry for ourselves? Or are we going to take steps forward? For marriages to be healed and restored and grown? For people to just be thankful for whatever their relationship status is, if they're single or whatever, to, to be grateful for that. People to take steps out of financial bondage just to get a grip on stuff. For people to say, God, thank you that I have a job. Thank you that you provide. Thank you for entrusting me with any money at all or any possessions at all because it's all yours. Thank you for making me me and not somebody else. Help us to walk in power and in love and in self-control and say, I don't care what's going on. I'm, I'm going God's way on this. We love you, Father. We do. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're going to sing a song or two. We're not going to have an altar call, and we're not going to pray with our hands like this. You release everything or whatever, which is fine. You know, maybe we'll do that another time. Here's what we're going to do tonight. Power, love, self-control. We're going to sing a song that is, like, geared around choosing to worship despite what's going on. Now, whether you sing it or not, it's up to you. Whether you mean it or not, it's up to you. Um, but, but maybe this maybe this is the spark you know who knows so we're all going to stand right now like this there you go and what you do with this truth is between you and the Lord but maybe maybe this is what you've been waiting for with this who knows let's uh let's sing this together <laughs>